No one in Washington knew that United 93 was gone. Radar was no longer reliable. So many planes had been disappearing. Transponders turned off, flying through uncovered areas, that the FAA was tracking Flight 93 on a display that provided only route projections based on speed and altitude. Even when the plane fell from the sky, the estimates showed it still headed toward Washington. Shortly after Cheney received the shoot-down order from Bush, a military aide entered the room. Sir, he said, there's a plane 80 miles out coming toward D.C., and there's a fighter near there. Should we engage? Yes, engage. The military aide returned several times. The plane was 70 miles out, then 60 miles out, speeding toward the capital at hundreds of miles an hour. Do the orders still stand? he asked. Cheney whipped his head around and glared at the aide. Of course the order still stands, he snapped. Have you heard anything to the contrary? A few seats away, Josh Bolton, the White House Deputy Chief of Staff, observed the exchange with growing alarm. He had not heard the earlier call between Bush and Cheney. For all he knew, the Vice President was acting on his own. If the Bush administration was going to issue an order to shoot down a commercial airliner, if it was going to authorize the killing of untold numbers of Americans, then everyone in the room had better be damn sure that the President was certain. Bolton hesitated, then spoke up. Mr. Vice President, I'd like to suggest that you contact the President to confirm the engage order. Cheney nodded, and another call went through to Air Force One. He again described the situation and asked Bush to reaffirm his earlier decision. I authorize a shoot-down of an aircraft if necessary, he said, his voice steady and without emotion. The call ended. Cheney looked up. The engage order stood, he told the group. Hezbollah did it. The Shia Islamist terrorist group was the culprit behind the hijackings, or so a preliminary CIA review concluded. From the moment of the second attack on the World Trade Center, analysts with the Counterterrorist Center had been pouring through an ocean of intelligence, seeking anything that might shed light on the identity of the perpetrators. One raw file revealed a clue, an earlier report indicating that Hezbollah had been seeking to recruit certified pilots. The information wasn't much and hadn't been viewed as significant when it was received, but now, with planes slamming like guided missiles into some of America's most symbolic buildings, it took on a more sinister cast, throwing suspicion on the militant group based in Lebanon. The CIA analysts conferred with their counterparts at the FBI. Everyone agreed. The deduction made sense. One analyst rushed to Ben Bonk, the center's deputy chief, to report their finding. Maybe, Bonk thought. Hezbollah must at least be placed on the list of likely conspirators in the attack. Less than an hour later, Richard Blee from the Bin Laden unit walked into Bonk's office carrying a piece of paper. We've got something important, he said. An FAA analyst had obtained the manifest for American 77, the flight that had crashed into the Pentagon. The names of two of the passengers, Khalid al-Midhar and Nawaf al-Hazmi, showed up in a number of intelligence reports. These were two men tied to al-Qaeda. Forget Hezbollah. Bin Laden did it. General Richard Myers, the vice chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, 
was running up the stairs to the third floor of the Pentagon. He was the senior-most officer working in the National Military Command Center. The chairman, Hugh Shelton, was out of the country and was responsible for keeping Rumsfeld up to date on how the military was responding to the attacks. The deputy director of operations at the command center had decided immediately after the second strike on the Trade Center that the United States was under terrorist attack. With their responsibility for establishing communications along the chain of command during an emergency, the officers and staff in the center had been working at full throttle since then. Their first all-purpose conference had been held almost an hour earlier to put together an action plan. Myers briefed Rumsfeld in a voice that was steady and admirably mechanical. He was a soldier, trained to remain calm in the most chaotic situation. He told Rumsfeld that the North American Aerospace Defense Command, NORAD, had been tracking Delta-1989, which military officials believed had been hijacked.